All right, can I I got to I got to start a little differently than I wanted because I just saw this story. Danielle, put your headphones on. I have a question for you. Travis Kelsey for the Kansas City Chiefs is dating who? Just Taylor, refresh my mind. Taylor Swift. All right, Taylor Swift. She have any money? Uh, she's got a lot of money. She's got a lot of money. Uh, Travis Kelsey's mother, Donna Kelsey, which, of course, nobody cares about uh, Donna Kelsey. But, but Stop I it. do. Why? Um, it doesn't matter. My point is, uh, Donna Kelsey had some fame a couple of years ago when the, or I guess it was last year, when the 49ers, or excuse me, the Chiefs and the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. Kelsey brothers won on each team, right? So a nice story. Mom's got a winner on either side. Doesn't matter how the game comes out. But Donna Kelsey today saying that, well, you can understand that the boxes in Vegas are multi-million dollars, so I have a feeling I'm not in in a box. I have a feeling I'm in the stands. As far as I know, I'm in the stands with everybody else because it's a pricey Super Bowl ticket. So you're telling me your your son who makes I don't know multi-million dollars can't get you a suite or you can't hop into into the suite with old T Swift? We don't know that she's going to be there. Is Taylor Swift kicking Travis Kelsey's mom out of the suite? We don't know that she's going to be there. And also I want to point this out. Last year, Kylie Kelsey, who was married to okay, Jason, all right, enough, enough. she sat in the I bleachers like just like everyone else. Normal people. I like listeners. Okay. <laughs> it, would be, it would at least be nice if she could buy a box for Travis Kelsey's mom. A Wouldn't that be nice? A million dollars? That's not feasible for anyone. Except I don't know, maybe Taylor Swift. Um, that's are you crazy? They have, they've only been dating for like six months. This I'm not gonna the, go drop this is millions the greatest of dollars. Love story of all time. What are you talking no, about? No, this is not Romeo and jo- Juliet. Mm, I disagree. This is not Gatsby and Daisy. All right, I just had to get that out. I just thought I you know I got Closer Travis the dumb and dumber. I got Travis <laughs> Kelsey's mom out here crying poor. Oh, okay. All right. I have to sit in the stands with the you, poor people. You, you got people <laughs> in line for soup. You're you're seeing the Super Bowl. Just sit down and enjoy the game. Wah. What I have to sit in the seats with all these other losers, all these the, the unclean people at the Super Bowl. <laughs> God. What? Why, why did you start the show like that? I this? just I I it got me my blood pumping here, my blood pressure's up. What? This is sort of like, tell me you're entitled without telling yeah, me you're yeah. entitled. All right. <laughs> um, and maybe you could just tap into the extreme wealth of your son who's playing in the Super Bowl again. Maybe you could just tap into his rich girlfriend for a little dough. She won't even know it's gone. Or that's make- like that's like buying a hot dog at the concession stand for oh, Taylor Swift. You know what? I think it's now time to start the actual JR afternoon with I, Chris Runway. You know what? Runway. I agree. That's a that's a great that's a great call. I agree. Uh, speaking of losers, let's talk about what's happening in the House of Representatives, shall we? So yesterday, after months of what appeared to be due diligence, hard work by House Republicans to oust the 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 leader 
of the Homeland uh, Secretary Division of our government, uh, the Republicans still couldn't even muster enough votes to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Now, to be fair, let's, let's just clear this right out of the way off the top. This is a political issue. It shouldn't be. It should be a matter of national security. It should be a matter of of enforcing laws that the United States of America have in place to ensure the protection and prosperity of American citizens. It shouldn't be a political issue because it's common sense. And yet, there is the continuance of people streaming across the border, flowing like a waterfall, and nobody's doing nothing about it. And so Mike Johnson brings this to the floor yesterday. Republicans vote, Republicans lose. Now, I I just want to play a little quote from Hakeem Jeffries, the House Minority Leader for the Democrats, because he says, you know, we really should just work together instead of fighting and, and trying to further divide the country. Listen to this nugget. It's incredible to me that instead of extreme MAGA Republicans pivoting to working with us in a common sense way to solve real problems for the American people, their focus Mm. is on how do we get Steve Scalise back to Washington so we can continue to do the bidding of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Mm. Trump and impeach Secretary Mayorkas. Now, here's where the gamesmanship took place yesterday, because Republicans thought there was one less Democrat in the building. There was somebody was going to get surgery. Somebody had a procedure. Somebody was going to be at the hospital. How about the Democrats pulling that person out in a in a hospital gown to cast a vote on the House floor? Did you have that on your bingo card? Because that happened. True story. Mike Johnson today. Uh, people who showed up, uh, we weren't expecting them to be in the building. Uh, rep- that's uh, Representative Al Green. Showed up in a wheelchair from surgery. I, it, was, it was an utter mess by the Democrats yesterday. And look, he said it was a setback, uh, but, but they expect this to be going forward. They'll have another vote, and, and they expect it to, to take place. But it, it, it continues to be a bit of a clown show in my mind, in Washington, D.C., specifically in the in the low, lower house. Uh, also, to try to combat this pushback from Arab Americans, Muslim Americans, uh, who believe that the president of the United States hasn't done enough in their interests to push back on Israel and their, their offensive against Hamas and the Gaza Strip, uh, I- instead of calling for a ceasefire, they were instead abandoning ship they're there they are never biden's now these are people that say we will not vote for the for the president for re-election we were a crucial voting block for him but we're not voting for him again to to potentially the much to to the benefit of donald trump but now senior officials of the biden administration are traveling to Michigan tomorrow, according to a story in the Detroit News, to meet with elected officials in Arab communities 
here in the in in Michigan, particularly in places like Dearborn, to try to smooth things over with that community. Who look right, wrong, or indifferent? Uh, they have feelings as well, and uh, for a president that they voted for in 2020 not to come through for him, um, they are feeling a certain way, and they have a they have their right to cast their vote accordingly. Now, they say they won't vote for Donald Trump. But, you know, a, vote, a, a, a no vote for Biden or a, or an app or a, a, an abstaining of voting certainly is a vote for Donald Trump. All right, got to take a break. Donald Trump got some pretty bad news yesterday morning from the Court of Appeals about presidential immunity. We'll talk about it next with Barbara McQuaid here on JR Afternoon. Donald Trump dealt a blow to his federal case because, according to the U.S. Appeals Court, Donald Trump is not immune from prosecution in the 2020 uh, election interference case. And this was a critical step for the Trump campaign for Donald Trump to get that question answered. This is something that Jack Smith and his team have wanted answered, and now the U.S. Appeals Court has weighed in. What does it all mean? It's where we reach out to the experts. Barb McQuaid, the law professor at the University of Michigan and, of course, former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, joins us. Barb, it's good to have you back. Oh, thanks, Chris. Glad to be with you. All right, let's break this down. What does this decision by the appeals court mean? Well, as you said, Donald Trump had raised a defense that in the federal election interference case, he cannot be prosecuted for conduct that he engaged in while he was in office, that the only way procedurally to address that would be to first impeach him, uh, convict him at the impeachment, which, of course, he was not, and then charge him criminally. Uh, The the Court of Appeals here rejected that defense um, and said, I think this is the money line. We cannot accept former President Trump's claim that a president has unbounded authority to commit crimes that would neutralize the most fundamental check on executive power, the recognition and implementation of election results. So it's a, it's a unanimous decision, um, probably not a surprising decision, but an important decision because now it, it can send the case back on its path. And what is that path? Well, I imagine that um, Donald Trump will appeal this decision. He has a couple of options. One is to the full Court of Appeals. This decision was rendered by three judges, unanimously, but only three. So the next step would be to ask the full Court of Appeals to decide the case. Um, And then he could also ask the U.S. Supreme Court to decide the case. Interestingly, this court, in an effort, I think, to avoid some delay, has said he may only have until February 12th to file an appeal with the U.S. Supreme Court. And after that, they will not further delay and they will send it back to the trial court to get moving. I imagine he will do that. Um, And then the Supreme Court will have to decide whether to take up the case or whether to let this decision stand and let the trial proceed. So in terms of what that appeal will look like, what is the argument from Donald Trump's side? Well, he says that as the executive, he has to have unfettered power to do uh, take care that the laws be faithfully executed and that if he were um, subject to criminal prosecution, then every successor would go after his predecessor and charge them with crimes, and it would have a chilling effect on the ability of the president to exercise his power. But the court comes back and rejects that argument and says uh, that in our system, we have checks and balances, and that would be an unchecked uh, power for a president that is not consistent with our separation of powers. But that's the argument, and I imagine Mm -hmm. he would raise the same argument 
at the Supreme Court. So the judge, uh, what was it, last week, uh, put a uh, kind of threw the brakes on the federal case being oversaw by Jack Smith and his team. Um, that that trial date was originally scheduled for March fourth, but with with all of these uh, judicial gears in motion, it it seemed like it was going to be impossible. So that that March fourth date was was put on the back burner. And now that the the Court of Appeals has made their decision unanimously, as you mentioned, um, what what is the the prognosis of this of this case? being heard this year because with the appeal that will likely be filed by the Trump camp and and depending on how the court of appeals rules on it the full court uh, it could be kicked up to the supreme court i mean it it feels like there is a long game being played here and and um you know some legal experts look to the the trump uh, I, I guess um, game plan, which is try to punt this thing so far down the road. In the event that he wins the election, he would be able to pardon himself and use some of the uh, the, the powers of the president in that capacity. What do you make of the timeline here? Yeah, and of course, if he becomes president, he could also appoint an attorney general who would simply dismiss this case. So that is a very real um, deadline uh, for for this case, I think, to come to fruition. I think that it's it's not likely the case will go by March 4th, which is probably why the judge kick that date because there's a lot of pretrial discovery motions and other events that have to take place even once that pause uh, is lifted. And so even if this case would go back to the trial court today, they couldn't have the trial today. They would have to work through some of those other preliminary matters, including a questionnaire for our prospective jurors. So I think even once the court gets the case, there's probably another 90 days that uh, will need to take place before the case would be ready for trial. And so that means whether the Supreme Court takes this case up means it could start within 90 days. If they say no, might put us into, I don't know, maybe April or May sometime for a trial. Mm. If the Supreme Court, however, decides to take the case up, then I think we would see further delay. There would have to be briefing, oral argument, and then a decision. That could take many months, or they could do it on an expedited basis as they are doing with this 14th Amendment issue as to whether Donald mm-hmm. Trump is eligible for the ballot. So um, I, do, I do you anticipate an expedited for... decision from the high court on that? Uh, I do. I think that uh, many secretaries of state have weighed in and said, regardless of which way you decide, we just need to know because mm-hmm. we have to print up our ballots. And so I think on both of these they would. But um, I, I think with regard to the trial in the election interference case, the one we're discussing with regard to immunity, uh, I think it is possible that we could see this case go, go on track uh, and, and get a trial date within 90 days. Or if the Supreme Court takes a slower path, we could see delays that could take it even past the election. Mm. In terms of Jack Smith, um, th- this was a question that he didn't even really think was a question, which is why the, the you talk about the expedited path of this case. It, it's why it was it was so uh, fast paced, because he didn't think that that Donald Trump had any ground to stand on what what from from the prosecution's perspective how are they looking at this is this a a a win in their column on the 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 path to an eventual trial here oh yeah certainly it is definitely a win it's a win to get this outcome and it's a win to get it relatively quickly because i think not only does jack smith want to prevail in this case he also wants to prevail before the election so i think that helps Uh, you know remember his request was to leapfrog this whole court of appeals mm-hmm. and go straight to the Supreme Court in an effort to expedite things. He didn't get that wish, but he did get a result within 
about a month of uh, the appeal. So he's lost a little bit of time, but not too much. I think the biggest um, area of criticism I would have for Jack Smith, and it really doesn't even go to him, it probably goes to the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland, was waiting so long to charge this case. Um, Mm. I'm sure they were working diligently, but this emergency was created to some extent by waiting to file charges as long as they did. Um, I'm sure they were working as quickly as they could, but if they had it to do over to have charged this case a year earlier might have helped to avoid some of these urgent problems. Barbara Quaid, great stuff, great insight as always. Appreciate your time. We'll talk again very soon. Okay, thank you, Chris. Yep, you got it. Love to get your thoughts on this case, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We'll get to your calls, your texts, coming up next right here on JR Afternoon. This federal case, get your thoughts on it, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. There's a lot of runway for Donald Trump here. I mean, Jack Smith wants to try this thing before November. Is it likely? I, I would say it's... There's a pretty good shot that this gets tried before November. But how close to the election do you want to take this thing? Right? Because I think the worry here, like if you're Jack Smith and you're part of the prosecution and you're Democrats that want Donald Trump behind bars, the whole deal. You want you want to try this thing as early and as far away from November as possible so it doesn't appear political. Right? That's why you put it in March. But the reality is every day this thing gets closer and closer, it it feels like, you know, there will be people that say that you are subverting the will of the voters. You are you are going around the electorate and you're going to take care of Donald Trump yourself. So I I think that that's going to be a, a major factor here as we get closer and closer. But Donald Trump still has runway. He'll take it to the full appeals court. If it doesn't go his way again, he'll take it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, they have the ability to expedite this thing. They have the ability to drag their feet on this thing. And, and that that will play a role into when this case, case gets heard as well. So if you want to weigh in on that, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Um, I do have another question, though. Again, issues aside, right, we're going we're gonna to talk about all of the issues, the dinner table issues, all the things that matter to us as we really start to ramp up the election cycle and we, we get closer to November. But there has been so much made about these, these two candidates, whether it's age, cognitive ability, um, job performance, legal issues, the whole deal. And, and I think it's pretty clear that most people do not want a Donald Trump, Joe Biden rematch. They don't, they don't want to run that one back. You know, Rocky Balboa and whoever, yeah, run that one back. Well, fine, let's do four movies on it. Eight movies, doesn't matter, don't care. Yeah, yeah, that one. The one where he's punching the carcass. Let's let's run that one back. Nobody wants to see Biden and Donald Trump again. Nobody. To the tune of, I mean, you're in the almost 70% of people say they don't want to see it. Tired of the same people. Tired of the same candidates. Tired of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So the reality is nobody wants to see those two guys square off anyway, or at least a, a large faction of people. 
But there is a new poll out that says 76% of voters, it's an NBC News poll, 76% of voters are concerned about Biden's age. 61% of voters have concerns about Trump's legal issues. So my question to you is, what is the bigger issue? What's the bigger issue? If you are an ever-Trumper, if you are somebody who was on Team Trump and now you, you just can't be on that bandwagon anymore, do you vote for somebody like Joe Biden in a, in a head-to-head matchup? I mean, this guy talking about talking to, you know, French presidents that died in the mid-90s. The, 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 the reality is Joe Biden in front of our eyes is deteriorating. That's not, I'm not being mean. I'm not being slanderous. It's what I see. It's what you see. It's what, it, it's, it's very obvious. By the way, Joe Biden, what was it, yesterday had that press conference uh, and meandered his way around a number of important issues and said, I'll be back Thursday. I'll answer all your questions. Uh, the, the administration came out today and said the president has no intention on, on being available for questions tomorrow. So it, 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 you can see, you can see the decline. I mean, hell, go back and watch a debate from 2020. Go back. I mean, you, even from then, you can see the change. You can see the deterioration. All right, so you've got, nobody wants the matchup. Nobody wants Biden-Trump. And now you've got a majority of people, all three out of four voters, according to this NBC News poll, that says, the concern about Biden age will impact their vote. And you got a little over 60% of people saying that Donald Trump's legal issues would be prohibiting them from voting for Donald Trump again. So my question to you is what's the bigger issue? Do you side with a guy who's got mounting legal issues that has had to pay millions of dollars in in fees, in legal costs, in as a as a penalty for the jury's findings or the judge's findings, um, and and not all these cases or have even been tried yet. Or do you go with the guy who is in 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 my view? I ain't no doctor. I'm not a, a, a cognitive psychologist, but I can see the decline. It's not being mean. It's not being slanderous. It's just my observation that there is a decline. So which one, what, you got to take, pick your poison. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. John's in Windsor. He's been holding tight. What's up, Johnny? Hi, Chris. Great show. Before I get to my point, I just want to say, where is Rashida when all this is going on? She is pro-Palestinian. I'm not saying she's wrong because she, she's funny for what she believes in, but you don't hear two words out of her right now. With what's she's been quiet. And she has been really quiet. And But when, when, when we put Trump into office the first time, the reason he won was anybody but Hillary. Well, we're at the point now where we're anybody but Biden or Trump. Where is the Ross Perot at that we had before to come in? And His name's RFK, Robert Kennedy Jr. Yeah, but you don't hear, you, you, you hear rumblings, but, you know, like you were saying, Trump has all these legal bills. Well, uh, that's, I want to get to my point, is to get, for Taylor Swift to sign a check 
to bring her family or her boyfriend's family or whatever to this Super Bowl. Yeah. All she has to do is sign her name, just like Trump does, just like Biden does, just like people in, like Miguel Cabrera or, or, or Verlander. They just sign their name. They don't miss the money. So it's a joke that they're saying, well, it's too much money. Taylor Swift has no idea how much money she has. She has so much. No, she. But there's no dollar like, amount. She just has money. She just has it. I, I I only brought this. I only brought this up, John. I appreciate the call flippingly because you've got Travis Kelsey's mom, who's the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, she says I'm going to have to be in the stands with everybody else. I, I we can't afford a a, a box. They're too expensive, multi-million dollar boxes. I can't afford it. Meanwhile, her 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 son is a stud NFL tight end, arguably one of the best in the league, has multiple Super Bowls, playing for his third. He makes a little bit of coin. Uh his uh his his girlfriend is arguably the most powerful entertainer in the world. Again, there's no dollar amount. How much money does Taylor Swift have? She just has money. Just money. She just has money. I, I feel like she could afford a, a box to put old uh, Donna Kelsey up in for the Super Bowl. Mark's in Northville. What's up, Marcus? Hey, Chris. How you doing? Good man. I think what's being lost in this whole discussion is how few people are really even voting in these primaries. And so we can say, well... You know, in a nation of 330 million people, you have, well, uh, 53 for Trump and 47 Biden, as an example. So, oh, Trump's winning. I mean, that's really irrelevant. I mean, look what happened in Nevada. I don't know the statistics, but there's, uh, let's say there's a few million people in that state. Uh, Trump wasn't on the ballot, but Haley, uh, or sorry, uh, Haley, Nikki Haley lost anyway. Uh, in uh, New Hampshire, Iowa, these tiny states are determining where the momentum is. But again, so few people are actually voting, and it's a real sad statement for our democracy, because if there really is such a large group of people that don't like Donald Trump, for example, or Biden, they would show up in the primary. I mean, in South Carolina, if it's true that so many people, even Democrats, are not happy with Biden, why didn't they show up? All right, but Mark, it, here, Mark, Mark, here's risk. my question though. My question is, you got to, I'm gonna, you're gonna be my my five year old son when I try to feed him Brussels sprouts. You got to force it down. I know you don't like them, but you got to eat them. What what what's the poison pill you're taking? What's your Brussels sprouts? You want a guy who's cognitive, who is in cognitive decline, who's eighty plus years old. Or a guy who's got mounting legal issues. What? What? Who are you? Which one are you going with, Chris? You're talking about the November election. We are still in the primary season, and what I want is people to go vote in these primaries for another candidate. As your previous guy said, someone could write in uh, someone <laughs> else's name in South Carolina. And yeah. As an well, Mark, speaking of that Mark, didn't happen. did you see? Did you see the results of the uh, Nevada? Election. Yeah, I brought that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nikki yeah. Haley got yeah, beat. That's a commentary there. She yeah. got she got beat by what was it? What's the official phrase? Uh, another candidate. I think it's none of these. Yeah. Candidates. None of these candidates. Yeah, yeah. So that's how little people in in Nevada think of Nikki Haley. Look, I, look I, Mark, I'm not. I don't disagree with you. 
I think the participation of the electorate is vitally important. Now, if you are it, like if you're if you're part of the Arab community here, right, that are that are ditching Biden, that that want nothing to do with them because of what's going on in Israel and, and, and Gaza, then um, then they're just not voting. And I think if you're a Republican, that's great news because any Biden defectors is a win for Donald Trump. I mean, that, that is essentially a vote for Donald Trump. So Donald Trump, he'll lap that up. But at the same time, you know, I, I have a hard time. Um, I have a hard time with people sitting out, whether it's you're voting in your city, your township, your county elections or, or a presidential election. I think you have to be an engaged voter all across the board. So, Mark, I agree with you. 800-859-0957. We'll get to more of your calls, get to some of your texts coming up next on JR Afternoon. So the new NBC poll says 76% polled in this poll uh, would not vote for Joe Biden because of, of his age. 61% have concerns about Donald Trump's legal issues, but really poll be damned. Like I don't, the, the results of the poll don't even matter. My question to you is what's the bigger issue? What's the one that is above all else, the most troublesome to you? Is it, the cognitive issues with Joe Biden. Look, I'm not uh, here. Here's the deal is I want this guy to do well. He is our president of the United States. He's our guy. Whether you voted for him or not, like him or not, doesn't matter. He is the commander in chief. You want them to succeed. You want them to do well. Things haven't been rosy for most of his tenure. <laughs> to say the least. But, but, I mean, the, the, the cognitive decline, is it's, it's obvious. I don't know what it is. I'm not a doctor. But, but that, the reality is there is a pretty substantial decline. And if you don't believe me, go watch a clip from him yesterday and go watch a, even a, 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 a one of his answers from the debate in 2020 with, with any of the, the, the Democratic primary challengers or Donald Trump. Doesn't matter. Pick one. I don't even care. I mean, you can see it. In the span of three years, it has been a pretty steep decline. So is that a bigger issue to you, or is it Donald Trump's legal issues? Is it, the, is it 92 charges? Is it the indictments? Is it the, the, the potential of federal charges? What, 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 what do you find to be worse? Which one can you stomach more? Because, look, the reality is, as we stand today, we're on a collision course for a rematch. They're going to run it back for round two. Most people don't want that either. But that's the reality as we sit today. So my question is, of these candidates, which is the more egregious issue and which is the one that you can you can stomach the best? Tony's in Southfield. What's up, Tony? Hey, what's happening? Hey, to answer to answer your question real quick, I can mm -hmm. do the cognitive deal because if you've ever held a position, you've surrounded yourself with people that you trust and they know that they know what they're doing. It could kind of soften the blow, but challenging the legal system that's been in place for the last two hundred years and breaking down the system that could be devastating for this country. Well, Tony, I mean, look, but the, but even if you are a of of sound mind uh, as a president, you always insulate yourself with people that that you feel are experts in their role, right, or in that in that field. So That's it's correct. it's it's really no different, except 
the president of the United States, who holds a very important position in the world, um, I mean, is is struggles. I mean, struggles mightily. Yes. This one I wanted to say real quick. Yeah. I took a personal survey talking to some of my Republican friends. Okay. And I said, if you had to vote, you had to vote, and it was between Biden and Putin to run this country, who would you vote for? And you know all of them said Putin. I couldn't believe it. Putin but, like Vladimir Putin? As in Vladimir. Oh, uh, Tony, why, why are you putting your friends in that position? Hey, listen, I'm just I'm just wondering. I like to come up with <laughs> stuff and just throw it out there just to see where their head is. That's out there. And, and I guarantee if you ask some of your callers, you'll get that same answer. All right, Tony. Have a good day. Thanks, my man. You do the same. Erickson Dexter, what's up, E? Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Um, when somebody has, I'll make a couple of points. If somebody has that cognitive problem, I just don't know how you can go with them. And also, uh, I realize that Mr. Trump has uh, some problems, but there's a part of me that says, yeah, but who created them? And to me, it's the Democrats, although you can say, well, he had bad behavior here and there. Sure. But uh, I, I think that it's really a major attack on, on Mr. Trump, a desperate attack using the legal system and some uh, bad actors, uh, all four of them, all four of the cases are not not very honest as far as I'm concerned. They're just a political game. Uh, so I'm not happy about that. And then there's another theme going on, and that is, well, we, we don't want to see the matchup, but uh, all the Trump people want to see Biden removed. That's why they don't want the matchup. And all the Biden people want to see Trump removed, and that's why they don't want the matchup. Sure, sure. So <laughs> that's kind of silly. Uh I just don't I don't trust the legal action. I don't trust it one bit. Look, Eric, I, you're not alone. You're not alone. I, and I know a lot of people feel that way. I just, you know, for me, I think if you if you if you, you know, match these two guys up side by side, there are there are issues with both of them. And you are going to get people that sit on the sideline. You are going to have people that don't participate. And I think that's just as big of an issue. It's a shame. Really, it's a shame. That 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 these parties can't find enough people that are that are stimulating the American voting base enough where 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 people would vote. Maybe it's issue based. Maybe it's not. Appreciate the call, Eric. Let's go to Michelle and Emmett. Hello, Michelle. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. I would like to say a few things. I agree with Eric from Dexter, mm -hmm. the guy that was just on. I think that what has happened to Trump is very unfair. What I think about that is that, and excuse me, I, I definitely uh, go by my constitutional rights of freedom of speech, mm -hmm. and I will say some things that probably won't be agreeance to a lot of people out there All right, there keep it, keep it uh, you know, above board here, Michelle. I will. All right, thank you. <laughs> I, I will. However, what I do think about Trump is, that he has an unfair situation. The only reason he is in legal trouble is because he made some comments about women that 
a lot of the Democratic people didn't like and other people out there, a lot of women, a lot of Democrats, they didn't like that. And so they attacked him in any way that they could. And they know that the legal issues that, you know, they're they're going after him now for is the only way they could get him. Mm. Right. So I feel like it is a very unfair situation. As far as your question, which one would I, you know, say that has the worst problems or whatever? I think Biden is a joke. I'm sorry to people who support Biden, but I think he's been a joke from day one. He never should have been elected. I think a lot of the, the people who did decide to vote for him was because of the um, the millennial situation. And what I mean by that is a lot of the, the kids and, and younger generations, younger than myself, I'll say, is um, unknowledged about uh, some of the things that Biden was talking about. And so they took what he said and they thought, oh, he's going to make this world great. No, Trump is going to make this world great again, just like he says. And I think that they were uninformed of certain things and he got elected by chance. Um, well, I kind of think they cheated. And, you know, I agree with Trump. I think it was a setup. I know a lot of people that was involved in the voting, counting, and they did say that there was a lot of cheating going on. So, you know, but that's neither here nor there, not to talk about that on the radio. But um, I think that, that Biden definitely needs to be out of the office. All right. Yeah, yeah, Michelle. I, I, Yeah, I got you. I, you know, again, I think it's, I, I, I think it's, first of all, it, it's, it is totally political preference, right? If you are on the one side, you're, 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 you're you're going to favor your your candidate, but it is an interesting question where we really haven't been posed with this type of issue before, where you've got two guys that are really, I mean, depending on the other side's view of them, pretty unpopular. I'm not saying without with with their base, they're very popular with their bases, but you know, if you ask the other side about the other candidate, I mean, it's not a very good view, and I think a lot of that is because of the issues that they're facing, whether it's legal. Or, or health issues. 800-859-0957. Got to take a break. We'll get to some news, get you some headlines this afternoon as we continue on here on JR Afternoon. All right, 3 o'clock hour. Good to have you. Still lots to do today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Jennifer Crumbly case yesterday. The jury came back finding her guilty in all four counts of involuntary manslaughter. James Crumbly, her husband, the shooter's father, will be uh, headed to trial in a couple of weeks. But still a lot more to, to, to get to today. And, and I want to uh, start a little bit with what happened in the House yesterday because House Republicans for months, for months, have been working on building a case against Alejandro Mayorkas for impeachment. And... The consensus, in in a nutshell, is that Alejandro Mayorkas, the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, has done a poor job of of empowering those under him to uphold the law in the United States, particularly as it relates to immigration at the southern border, where 10,000-ish people every day are coming across the border. It's out of control. And... Yesterday, the Republicans, who 
I mean, collectively haven't been able to get their heads out of their you-know-whats over the last several months. They just can't get out of their own way. Uh, Did it again yesterday. They bring this to the floor for a vote, and they fail. A couple of defectors when they couldn't afford them. Uh, Al Green, the representative uh, who was thought to be in the hospital for a procedure, showed up in a hospital gown to cast a vote. I mean, it was wild. And Mike Johnson called it a setback, which he's he's right. Um, but he said something to the effect of, well, democracy's messy and, you know, we're going to pick a, pick it up and do it again. Like, it, we'll be fine. Okay, well, that's great. But in the meantime, all of these months that you've spent working on building a case against Alejandro Mayorkas, you, you just let trickle away. And it, it does, to a certain extent, feel like Republicans have been that they've been they've been standing in their own way for quite a while in the house um you also have this impending vote today i believe in the senate on the border bill and and ukraine funding and and my whole contention is and this is where it it is it is it is ridiculous to me, and I look, I get it. I know how things work. This is what they do. They're politicians. They want to tie all these pieces of legislation together and and pass them in tandem. It's a joke. You, you want to spend $60 billion on Ukraine funding? Do it. Put it up for a vote. Put it up for a vote. Do it. If you think it's that important, do it. If we want to work on immigration reform, put an immigration bill together. Do it. Don't tie it to all this other nonsense. I understand there's leverage. I understand it's priorities on both sides. No, 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 no. You want to you you regain the confidence of the American people? Put it up. There you go. The border bill blocked in the Senate. Just saw it on Fox News as the, as the breaking news headline. So I, I, I'll have to work on getting some more information on this, but uh, it doesn't look like they're, they're going to be moving on this today, or at least at, at the moment. So, and look, there's no doubt immigration's a political issue. It is a political issue. And, and you've got Corinne Jean-Pierre trying to spit shine a turd, saying, well, uh, we, we, get, if, if Congress would just act, if Republicans stop blocking, no nonsense. Peter Ducey called him out. The president took office three years ago. Who had control of Congress? He wanted to pass immigration on day one, but they didn't. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. This, this punting of the football, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's a hot potato. It's a hot potato. Yeah, it's your fault. No, nah, it's your fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. It's the Democrats' fault. Republicans, Democrats. Ah! It's, it's lunacy. It is, it is complete lunacy. And we are at a point where people are so distrustful of what our lawmakers are doing that I, I I'll tell you what, to me, I believe people see through it. I believe people see through it. I don't think that you can have three years of inaction. I think if you I think people see that you take away programs like Remain in Mexico, you wipe that out, and you just you just turn a blind eye to what's going on at the southern border. You don't enact policy. You don't you don't make a real concerted effort 
to try to stop people from coming over. I mean, you've got governors of Democratic strongholds telling reporters that you need to deport people that attacked a, a, a police officer in New York City. This is this is where it's at, because even Democrats are starting to realize the issues. Now, do are Republicans culpable? Yep. It's political because now they want Joe Biden to wear that badge right right on his lapel. They want to they want to make sure that he wears that stain. He, and, and as hard as Joe Biden's trying, he's trying to pawn it off on Republicans and Donald Trump and evil MAGA Republicans. When in reality, you're, you're not doing your job. And the president's saying, well, I've done everything I can. False. No. It's, it's just not true. The president wants more power. He wants more money. He wants to be able to do more things that are, that are of his priority. But that's not bipartisanship. That's not the same guy who who promised all election cycle that he was going to work across the aisle because that's what he had done his whole career. It's not the same guy. There's been no bipartisanship with the White House. So now the Republicans are going to make him wear it. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's, that's what's happening. And unfortunately, we don't get any closer to there being any sort of, of answer on this issue, at least at, as of present. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. I'll also ask the question, uh, 76% of people say they're not going to vote for somebody over 80 years old. 61% of people say that, that, that Donald Trump's legal issues are a problem. So you got both guys w- with issues that, that voters, at least in one CNN poll of, what, 1,200 people, so not a huge sample size, that, that say they're, they're not going to vote for these people because of these issues. Which one to you is the bigger issue? Which one to you is more egregious? Dave's in Rochester. He joins us. Hello, David. Hey, Chris. Uh, I have to take exception with the fact he has worked across the aisle. He worked across the aisle for the infrastructure bill, the CHIPS Act. He's worked across the aisle for this thing that fell apart when the uh, Senate Democrats said, nope. Donald Trump told us we can't vote for this, okay? So I give you a lot of examples of uh, voting across or working across the aisle. Moreover, he never had 60 votes for, for, for cloture. You can do – if you have less than 60, you could do reconciliation mm-hmm. on approved budget. You can't do anything without, without 60 votes, Okay. To the issue of the day, but then, but then, Dave, if you can't get the sixty votes, isn't that an issue? Yeah, that's always been the case. Yeah. That's a yeah. stupid. Se- it's a stupid Senate rule where majority does not rule. It's like nothing happens because of that stupid cloture rule. Okay, you can't get it to a vote without the sixty. All right, but what else you got? I got to get to a break here. What else you got? Okay, but yeah, who's senile? Are you the one senile? Which one are you referring to as senile? Are you talking about the? I one don't think I ever said that, senile. That, FYI, pardon? I said cognitive issues. Right, cognitive. Okay, which one are you talking about has cognitive issues? I'm going to let you take a guess on who I'm talking okay, about. Okay, let okay let me. I, okay, here's what I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. This, how about the guy who talked about talking what? to a French president who died in 1996? That guy. Oh my God! Let's talk about this as far as his cognitive. Let's. How many times has he called uh, Nikki Haley, Nancy Pelosi? How many times does he refer to the next world war as World War II? How about how calling Biden Obama? How about 
all the the, the catalog. Dave, that okay, the but, but Dave, okay, Dave, Dave, I'm not called artificial intelligence. Dave, I'm not saying that that Donald Trump is perfect. I don't know what you're. I don't know why you're coming after me like that. All I'm telling you is this guy's on the decline. You agree with that, right? Like I, that, I'm not. Uh, there, we're not. We don't have a disagreement there. True. Well, it's it's not like one's one's got consciousness. I, I, I didn't ask that. I didn't ask that. Do you agree that Joe Biden's in decline? I, I agree he's in less decline than. Of course, he's growing older. All right, is that the old person? Does. All right, I got. I Dave, I got to get to a break. I I thought we were going to come to a kumbaya moment there, but but we we couldn't get there. Uh, we're going to talk more about this. I, in my mind, historic decision by the jury yesterday to hold Jennifer Crumbly uh, guilty for involuntary manslaughter for the, the, the massacre at Oxford High School that her son uh, carried out just over two years ago. We'll get to that. We'll get to more of your calls, your texts coming up next here on JR Afternoon. All right, so what is the fallout of this Jennifer Crumbly verdict? Guilty in all four counts of involuntary manslaughter, is it? Stems from her son, Ethan Crumbly's uh, massacre at Oxford High School just over two years ago. The, the reality is the jury thought that Jennifer Crumbly was an, a negligent parent. She was, she was guilty of gross negligence. Um, the foreperson of that jury, Alex, was on the Today Show. I didn't give her last name. They talked about the relationship the, that, that they gleaned from the trial of Jennifer Crumbly and, he, and her son, Ethan. Um, they, they also talk, was asked about the, 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 the decision to put Jennifer Crumbly on the stand. Here's Alex, the four-person on that jury on the Today Show. What did you make of her on the witness stand? Um, at the time, I tried to take her as she gave herself. Um, but once we went into deliberation, it became clear um, that she wasn't a super reliable witness in this case. Savannah Guthrie on the question. And, and Alex was also asked about Jennifer Crumbly saying that she wouldn't change anything knowing everything that she knows now. It was repeated a lot in the deliberation room. I think that it was very upsetting to hear. Um, I think that there are many small things that could have been done to prevent this. And so now what's the fallout from this? What's the precedent? I think a lot of parents around the country are asking themselves that question. Eve Primus is the director of M Defenders at the University of Michigan and joins us. Eve, it's good to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I, I think that this is precedent setting uh, for a number of reasons. How do you view it? So it depends on what you mean by precedent setting. Of course, this does demonstrate that a prosecutor can, in a case like the Crumbly case, pursue charges against a parent this way and succeed in getting a guilty verdict. But nothing about the law has changed from before when Jennifer Crumbly was tried to now. And it remains the case that proving an involuntary manslaughter charge like this is an incredibly high standard for the prosecutor and requires a very fact-specific inquiry into the relationship that exists between, in this case, Jennifer Crumbly and Ethan Crumbly surrounding his 
um, his mental state as well as his access to weapons. So I do think it means that there is a, the possibility of these kinds of prosecutions occurring that prosecutors might not have thought to bring in the past, but I still think it is a very difficult charge for them to win on if they don't have the specific facts that existed in this kind of case. Like it's rare to have a school meeting on the day of the shooting right. in which the, the school is telling the parents how troubled the son is. No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, for, from a prosecutor's perspective, they go where the facts lead them, right? Or, or, or at least where they think they can prove guilt or they can prove malice or, or gross negligence. And in this case, Karen McDonald thought she could, so she brought the charges. Do you feel that prosecutors will be more empowered by the idea that, that they, they can in fact, connect those dots because it's been done before? Well, I mean, I think it would be naive to say that this doesn't say it's possible. But I also do not think that this is going to open the floodgates to a ton of prosecutions like this for a couple of reasons. First is, as I said, gross negligence and reasonable foreseeability, which were the two legal standards that they had to address in this case, are really high standards and difficult to meet, and they need the facts. And as you said, they have to follow those facts, and they might not have them in other cases. But second, I also think that this case can't be divorced from the mass shooting context in which it arose, mm -hmm. which is to say, look, like, you know, this was a terrible, horrific tragedy for this community. And there is a lot of pain and there's a lot of outrage and there's a lot of pressure to do something about the problems of mass shootings and also to provide some sort of closure to the community. And so I think the combination of the special facts that existed in this case and the pressure and the trauma that is associated with a mass shooting is what pushed the prosecutor here to reach out to make uh, to file charges in a case like this where they hadn't typically been filed in the past. I don't think this means that suddenly prosecutors are going to be filing charges against parents for every, you know, assault committed by their teenage children. Um, I just don't think that's where the law is going to lead here. Yeah, and that's and that was, you know, I I took a lot of calls from people yesterday after after the verdict came down from the jury and and that was a concern. It's like, well, where where do we where 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 do the floodgates open? Are they open now? Does it does it point to parents being, you know, held responsible when when maybe you know you could make the argument that they weren't responsible? And I think that's a fair concern for people. But again, I think it's all about fact facts and 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 the 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 avenues that prosecutors can take to get to that conclusion. Um, in the meantime, um, I'm curious to know your thoughts on how this. This uh, case, Jennifer's case, will imp implicate and, and impact James Crumbly's case, her husband, in a couple of Yeah. Weeks. No, it's a good question. I think, you know, criminal cases are brought against individuals, and the prosecutor in each individual case is going to have to unearth facts to demonstrate and prove beyond a reasonable doubt the mental state that is required to convict each individual defendant. So the facts that apply with respect to Jennifer might be different than the facts that apply with respect to Ethan's father, right? So, for example, text communications between Ethan and his mother that might demonstrate how troubled he was to her would not inform the father's 
culpability if mm. he wasn't privy to those communications. Or I know there was testimony in this trial that somehow, like, that the father was responsible for safeguarding weapons in the house. We'll see if that testimony comes out in his trial um, and what it shows about what he knew and what responsibilities he had that were similar to or different from the responsibilities that Jennifer had. So I think what we can say is clearly there are facts that put at least one parent on notice here that certainly will embolden the prosecution to think it's possible to get a second conviction. But I think whether they can will depend on the facts that come out at his trial about specifically what he knew and what risks he was aware of and whether he was grossly negligent and indifferent to and disregarded those risks. Mm. Eve Primus with M Defenders. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. Uh, in the meantime, we're taking your calls, your texts on my, my Joe Biden and Donald Trump issue. And the, the question is, there's a, a large faction of people that look at these these guys and say, well, we don't want them in the first place. This isn't the rematch we want. But you've got basically three out of four voters that say, uh, I can't vote for a guy who's over 80 years old to be president of the United States. The, the cognitive issues, whatever they may be, they're, I mean, they seem to be apparent. They're pretty obvious and, and they're out in the open. And Donald Trump has mounting legal issues. I mean, it's 92 charges and, and you know, facing potentially some serious issues. W- which is worse? Which would you prefer? Where do you side? Uh, that's the question. 800 Let's get to a couple of texts on the text line. What do we got, Brian? Uh, John in Brighton says, Chris, uh, you seem to not notice that uh, your, uh, Trump misspeaks a lot also. Uh, he's had a lot of misspeaking recently, mm-hmm. uh, not just misspeaking, but confusion. So the difference in my mind is, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, there's a difference between a gaffe or saying something wrong mm-hmm. and, you know, saying to people that you talk to a French president who died in 1995. You know what I mean? Like, that's a difference. Or calling calling Nikki, Nikki Haley, Haley Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi is a little different. Um, and again, these they're they're both they're both older, so it's not. I th- I think those are real issues. Got to take a break. All right, we'll get back to your calls, your texts momentarily. But the reaction continues to roll in. After the jury announced that Jennifer Crumbly would be found guilty on four counts of involuntary manslaughter. And those closest to the Oxford High School shooting um, are the ones most impacted. Certainly students, educators, everybody in that building, uh, and, and families. Um, and thankfully, Mike Aldred, uh, who was with the group uh, uh, Change for Oxford, Oxford Parents, uh, and and has been... Uh, certainly dialed into to this whole situation uh, ever since that dreadful day just over two years ago. Uh, he joins us, Mike. It's good to have you. Um, what did you uh, What did you make of the 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 jury's decision yesterday in the Jennifer Crumbly trial? Uh, there's no doubt it was an emotional day. Um, I don't doubt all of the actual community was on weighted breath, listening uh, to see what would happen. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I got to echo what uh, my friend, you know, Buck Mears said is that the people spoke, right? The, it's a step forward, and that's all we can ask at the moment as a community and those of us in the community supporting those who lost. It was a, it was a big step forward. 
but uh, to Buck's point, you know, it's it's the, uh, the voice of the people have spoken, and that's that's what we're asking for: accountability. The four person of that jury spoke with the Today Show today, and and they talked about particularly uh, Jennifer Crumbly's uh, role in this, and and the fact that she was the last one to have that gun before Ethan got his hands on it. It 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 really implicated her. They felt. Uh, in what ended up happening at that at that high school, um, and and the the other thing that was talked about greatly in the deliberations was in her testimony, she said she wouldn't change anything. And I think with the benefit of hindsight, with looking back and time to reflect, um, you know, I I think there are times that we all wish we could change something we did, um, and and that answer resonated too. How how did you take? Uh, some of the things that she said on the stand, what, what was, uh, how did you read into all of those? Uh, I know we're on the radio, but if we were sitting in person, you'd see it's, uh, it visibly shaken. Yeah. Um, the fact that a parent has the absolute goal, regardless of the situation, spill a cup of coffee, get up in the morning and forget to brush your teeth. Doesn't matter. You want you, something happens every day. You wish you could change. Mm-hmm. Right, and the sheer gravity of the situation and the impact on the lives of these four families—the Oxford, you know, all all of the impacted, you know, from the shooting, Oxford community, all of that—and you don't want to change a thing. Could you construe that's an admission of guilt? I mean, or are you just that disconnected from reality? It was it was a gasp. It was an absolute gasp. If we were all in the courtroom and she says that. Those of us watching, which you know, many were. How did? How can that even be? How do you even say that? <laughs> uh, you got a great point, Chris. I mean, it, how do you not want to change something, especially something like this? Uh, the lack of emotion was appalling. In terms of the healing process, which I I I can't even imagine. I mean, I it it, it I don't know that you ever fully move on from it. But um, is this a step in that direction? Can there be a step forward? I mean, the, the ones that have lost, there's no stepping forward. There is no positive step forward, positive outlook. You know, the rest, everyone, everyone impacted by this, it's, it's a step forward in the accountability process. You know, the parents obviously are, are a big part of the problem here. Um, you know, some are still arguing that the district itself is still has some accountability left on the table that is just is unforgivable. Um, I don't know that there is a step forward to be quite honest. And as much as people want to have a step forward, they want to look for, you know, some positivity. None of this is positive, regardless of what outcome you want from the parents, from, from the shooter, none of this is positive, but the accountability and I think the message for, for all of this is that if this makes change happen faster for parents to be more accountable of the actions of their children, you know, this out this outcome or this this unfortunate tragedy that seems to be more commonplace today in school shootings, we're hoping that it's a step forward in in curbing that. No one should experience what our four families have experienced uh, and others across the country have experienced. And it, it's just, uh, 
it's a very, very hard lesson to learn from from this, from parents to pay attention to your kids, to be more involved, to not, you know, to not just get caught up in your, I'm busy today. Uh, but no, there's no step forward. It's it's just more accountability and, and trying to, to make sense of it. Uh, well, we, we wish you continued healing. Uh, I, I can't imagine it's easy that all of this gets brought up again, but but a step forward in accountability is probably a good way to put it. Mike Aldred, uh, thank you, uh, and uh, we, we appreciate uh, your time, as always. Thank you all for the support. We hey, appreciate it. You got it. That's Mike Aldred, uh, parent in Oxford. And, and I think that's the other part of this, too, is is it's not it's, – it's moving forward. It's trying to distance yourself from it. It's trying to – you know, you hope time, uh, and for those that that are impacted mentally, uh, physically from the, that day, um, you know, you, you hope that the further you get from it, the time heals at least something. You, you can't heal what what's lost, but certainly um, you you do tear open some old wounds uh, when when things like this pop or when things like this rear its head again. Uh, I, I can't, can't imagine how difficult that must be. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, I want to just uh, take care of some business here. Steve Courtney's coming up next. Uh, but we do have some people that have been holding on the line uh, for, for an extended period of time. want to get them in. Rod's in Plymouth. And he's, oh, excuse me, Rod and Flint has some thoughts. Hey, Rod. Hey, how, how are you? I'm good. Good. Okay, I was just making a comment about um, the Republicans and the Democrats. I'm telling you, the, the further we go over to this political season, if we look back on what has happened as far as them making laws, when it comes down to certain issues like LGBT and marriage and all this stuff, there's by there's no bipartisan. They come together. And and it's the money that makes the, the issue. Like the people on the far left, like when they eliminated marriage between a man and a woman, okay, now they open that up. Obama, Obama and the group made, made that something that I didn't appreciate. Mm-hmm. Then when it comes down to dealing with LGBT, oh, it's a minority now. Now they got, I'm not saying they shouldn't have just as many rights as the regular person, but they're not a minority. To me, it's a choice. I'm just saying, okay, they they come together on certain issues. Okay, what happened to uh, human rights when it comes down to uh, uh, cops doing things, killing, uh, I would say, uh, minorities or killing people of color? They get slapped on the wrist a lot of times, and then they go to another police department. So, you know, to me, I don't see too much of a difference between Democratic Party and Republican Party. Only when election time. So you're up. you're just you're you're totally disenfranchised altogether. Not totally, but I do vote. I'm not going to stop voting. Oh, good for you. That's good. When they, when I when I when I vote, sometimes I think that hey, they cheated on Donald Trump. This man has been persecuted all the way through, from first time he said he's going to run all the way until now, and they don't have anything on the man. Yeah, so I, I mean, look, I I think participation's key, Rod, and I appreciate it. Um. And and certainly, um, you know, look, this is there is there there has been an evolution in politics, and uh, and and I think, um, I think we're seeing that in a lot of issues. Uh, all right, got to take a break. Steve Courtney up next here on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. 
lots of sports to get to, actually. And uh, we are days away from the Super Bowl. Still a little bit of our team's not in it, but I'm going to watch. Me too. Yeah, I don't understand, Steve Courtney, hello. I don't understand people saying they're not going to watch the Super Bowl. I think it's crazy. Well, at the beginning, I understood. Because I think everybody was a little bit sour. We can be hurt. Hurt is the right term. Um, but to just say, no, I'm not watching, I'm not watching. Um, and I think they will. I think even... There you go, this guy. Oh, Ken, Ken Brown, Brown. Is he he's going to be watching. Don't let him tell you any different. Uh, before he opens up his yip, uh, this conversation brought to you by the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Performance Remodeling, a preferred partner of the Inside Outside Guys, kicked off another $100,000 window of opportunity sweepstakes. Request your windows, roofing, and siding quote today. Log into windowsroofingsiding.com to enter the performance remodeling sweepstakes. Uh, interesting piece. Uh, you were busy yesterday for all the right reasons with yeah, the apologies. Oxford verdict. Yeah. No issues. Yeah. Uh, we were going to discuss the uh, Anzalone piece in the Players' Tribune. How powerful? It was powerful because, well, first of all, you know, you don't always get a behind-the-scenes look at athletes, right? And I always, I always tell people um, – and you, know, you meet a lot of people in this business, right? We're very sure. lucky. Um, and, and sometimes you walk away and you're like, well, that person wasn't great. Or uh, a little bit of an ego there. Like, I, mm-hmm. you never, sometimes you don't want to meet the famous people in your life. You don't, you don't always want to do it. Yeah, you don't want to meet Kim Brown. Um, <laughs> Many have done so. Yeah. And, and walked away disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Only kidding, Kenny. <laughs> But but you you read that piece and you, you you understood the wear and tear on their bodies, you understood the 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 togetherness that they showed as a team, which is really difficult in professional football. You know the fact that you can get everybody to buy on on a fourth down call in the NFC Championship game, let alone two of them, oh, yeah. is amazing. Yeah, they were all behind uh, Dan Campbell uh, there. Make no mistake about it. Uh, but I was also taken, speaking of those who are saying that they're not going to watch Super Bowl 58, um, you know, it was funny. Anzalone says, you know, if he was going to go to a party, he didn't want to look like an idiot, you know, watching a Super yeah, Bowl. Standing there he, with queso in his hand. That he should have been a, involved in. And then Dan Campbell, uh, being Dan Campbell, said, no, look, you watch. You watch every second of that game and use it uh, for motivation. Whatever you need to do, yep, you do. It's great, and then and then the personal stuff, right? Oh, uh, his wife his had a kids. miscarriage. His his kid, and and you know, you go home, you're still dad, and you know, you you, you talked about waking up and how long it took him to get out of bed because he was so banged up. And well, the son's um, saying, "Dad, I'm glad you're not." In the dad, Super I'm glad you're not. <laughs> you know, and that's <laughs> did you win? You know, that's you know. heartwarming, and, and you know. It brings that it down to earth a little to bit. school for the next right. few weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> they cook your own dinner. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, was, it was a good piece. I, I do encourage people to go read it. Um, and it's not a long read, but it was. A, I thought it was a pretty powerful read. Very nice. Uh, the, were you at the Brad Holmes presser the other day? Of course. Did you hear my question? No. I said course. you should resign. Did you? No, please. I was there. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, for all those people that – well, he brought receipts, right? He so he was, receipts, but he, he was wasn't like, vicious. Uh, everybody who said right. this and this. Well, what about Not this? Everybody. Uh, you, yeah, literally you. calling Carlos, people out by name. Dave Burkett, you said yeah. I wanted the quarterback, Carlos. You, and yeah, but he, Dave wasn't alone no, in that thinking no, at the beginning. Not. But he wasn't malicious with it. And no, I, no, no. Would I have done it? No. 
Okay, but but but, but it, it is it a reminder. A matter of fact, it is a, it is a reminder. These guys are professionals. Like we can have an opinion, but when we have an opinion that turns out to be wrong, we eat it. That's yeah. the business we're in. But those aren't opinions, though. Predicting draft grades is something that editors make you do. Right? Well, that's ridiculous. And you can't predict anything. No, I no offense. I mean, I love Dave Burkett. I like all these guys. They're, I mean, they know a lot about football. But are they qualified to grade players? But you just know everything about it. You never know how a player's going to turn out. So of the kid not. misses. Don't. No, so the whole how thing about is. Brock Purdy? I mean. Right. The whole thing is stupid. Yeah. But it has to be done because people expect it. But, well, here's the thing, though. When the. Golf Stafford trade was made. Raise your hand if you were under the immediate, the immediate impression. Okay, you're bringing aboard Jared Goff. Uh, he'll Couple be the years. bridge. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'd be guilty. Maybe. The trade guilty. itself was that way. If you get two first round picks and you only yeah, get golf to is, balance the set, so everybody yeah. knows he was the throw in. Now maybe Brad Holmes didn't think so, and snookered the Rams, but yeah. the Rams were just throwing him in for salary. Sure. So well, it, it was, that's fair. It's fair to say that. And the one thing, and, and look, Jared Goff. Has changed my mind. I'm big enough to admit that. He deserves to be extended long-term. No question about yep. it. And we also know that Brad Holmes is very, very passionate about his job. And he knew what he was getting into when he came here. So uh, for him to say, look, for us to get to the NFC Championship game is not a Cinderella story. It's what was expected. Yeah. Yeah, but don't go patting yourself. Uh, here comes the villain. The oh, boy. I'm just saying, he could have, to Does me, kill. and I like Brad, and I thought what he did, he could have left. He, okay, you were right and they were wrong, but was that really, did you have to really do it right then? I just thought it was a little too much for a team that's only won one year. Now, if he had three years in a row of this and he wants to do that, But I fine. think the, the the message that he had was we've gotten better every year. Okay, but th- what happens if they fall back next year? Is he going to get up there and let Burkett and them get back at him? Yeah, of course. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. So just, I'll just take it down a little bit. You, you did good, but just don't get excited. Um, then you've got this, this story where all of these networks are coming together to form a monopoly on sports streaming. To take more money streaming. from you. To take um, more money from you. To be more specific, ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery announcing yesterday they're launching a sports streaming platform in the fall that will include offerings from at least 15 networks and all four major professional sports leagues. Um, no cost uh, has been shared. Well, as what's going to push it over the top is if they do old episodes of The Office. <laughs> it seems like you can see that on the cooking channel. Right, right there, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's well, all Chris, I need. Chris won't watch it unless the office. Oh, I got is Peacock. I have Peacock year round. Okay. I need Speaking the office. Of which, my beloved Spartans. I know. Tough night last night. They were on Peacock. That's painful. Watching any sporting event on Peacock, it's absolutely ridiculous. So here, here's my issue with with this type of platform. For, for first of all, that's like a monopoly. I mean, you are going to be forced to buy this. Now, you want a, a one-off, a, a, you know, Michigan State, Minnesota one night? Okay, fine. Maybe you don't catch the game, right? Not the end of the world, especially if you were a Spartan last night. But, but the reality is, is if, you, if, you, if these companies get together and form this conglomerate, you are going to buy this package or if you're you, a sports Or you're just going to leave it alone. One or the, other. Uh, right. the three companies will each share one-third ownership. Yeah. And here's the other part. Joint here's the other part. Is not only are you going to pay for the right to stream all of these games. But there still will be TV timeouts. 
So, like, you're going to pay for a mod. You're going to pay for a thing. And then pay for commercials. And then you're going to have to watch commercials. Yeah. I think I think that's the issue. When I was storming the gate last week, nobody wanted to follow Kim Brown. Now, no, no, a is, one-off, it's not a problem. One but off this, this could week, be more of an issue. Then it'll be another one that we got yeah. to get with me now while we storm the gates of the internet to stop that's this. Small. Quick question. How much longer before your average cable carrier is extinct? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Probably not much longer. Right. They've hung around. I mean, they've done a good job. All right, Mitch Allen and the crew. Coming up next, KB, Steve Corbin. Storm the internet gates. Oh, boy. All right. That'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Have a good one.